You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 124 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios and the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We've got a great show planned for you as we record on this Monday morning, March the 30th. We're going to be recapping the entire Virginia Tech athletic season, and it all starts right now. And with that, we say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and however you are listening or watching the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're so glad you're with us recording here on Monday morning, March the 30th. Whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you're listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcast. So glad you're with us here on episode 124 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've got the crew back together, and it feels great to say that. It has only been three weeks since the last time we were all back together, but wow, does it feel a lot longer than that. So glad you're with us. Uh, We've got our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, with us, our managing editor, Chris Coleman. He is the best producer in the land, ladies and gentlemen. He is Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes, taking your Facebook Live questions for the end of the show. Gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. Uh, How are you doing on this Monday morning? Doing well. You uh, you look excited and sound excited. Been waiting. Yeah. It's uh, it's weird watching the show. Last week I was just sitting in my office and back at home and watching. Tell the truth, you were watching. You were going, you're doing it all wrong. No, not at all. I'm telling you, you, you don't give yourself enough credit for how good of a job you do. I do okay when hosting. You're hosting. You I, do I, a good I job. I suck at the opening. Seriously, you, what do you, you think, Chris? Give, give, oh, yeah, that's give fine. him a yeah. scouting yeah. report yeah. on the will. I mean, I think yeah. he does a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. How are you doing, Cece? How are you holding up? Oh, I'm good. Uh, wish I could go to the gym. <laughs> you know, I, can I just say, I think the most impressive thing of the podcast last week was Chris talking about how you, what was it, you you pushed a car in a workout? I did it again on uh, Friday from Avellino's to Anytime Fitness. So you've, you've never pushed a car before? It's, it's not, it's not, not, not in a workout it's, setting. It's like not as hard days. as, it's not as hard as you think it'd be. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a Jeep Wrangler and it's double cab or whatever, but it's, so it's a big vehicle, but it's not, it's not that hard to do it. You don't push it really fast, obviously, but you feel it the next day. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. discover there are certain, there are muscles and parts of your legs where you did. You now I want to go out and push your car. <laughs> Let's push your new truck or Malcolm's new truck, which he or just one purchased. Of the vans. So when Malcolm was a, was a kid, uh, so, uh, we were talking about this earlier, the conversion van that we've owned like ever since Malcolm was born. And uh, so we'd park it in the garage and there were days where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember there were days, there were times where it wouldn't start. 
And so we'd put it in a neutral and I would push it out into the driveway so we could jump it. <laughs> so that led to this thing of when he started going to preschool, we'd do this thing where uh, my wife would get in the van and start it up and he'd be sitting in his little car seat and I would get in front of the van and act like I was pushing it out of the garage. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to do these things if you're a dad, you got to amaze your kid. Right. You know, so. So I've, uh, I've pushed a conversion van, and Chris is right. You feel it the next day. I want to give Malcolm a quick shout-out here because he said that he didn't think anybody would notice this, but I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know that's watching what's going on with this. So we have Stick It In Beer uh, on our podcast set, and Malcolm has strategically put three cans with the Stick It In logo next to each other, so that way you get the stick it in stick it in stick it in oh i was wondering what the magic of three was <laughs> so just wanted to point that out because he didn't think anybody would notice and i wanted to make sure everybody recognized his greatness <laughs> yeah well don't y'all get podcast. too used to it i'm running out at home so that might disappear soon <laughs> <laughs> it'll be missing in future shows yeah uh oh, we've got so, a- oh by the way uh we've been talking to beltway brewing company and we sold something like 1300 cases so we are in the process of collecting what will be a thirteen thousand dollar check roughly awesome from them and that will go to the uh, endowed scholarship in the sports media and analytics department. Now that scholarship, I haven't updated the page lately on the site, but last time I updated it, probably two or three months ago, $30,000 had already been put in. Wow! So that will push it up well over $40,000 and we might even be closing in on $50,000 of, uh, you know, we we TSL have to contribute $100,000 and some other people have contributed addition so uh, we'll endow our $100,000 portion and then whatever else gets added to it also. Uh, so that's that's kind of hard to believe that we're up to almost fifty grand on that thing. So that's very cool. That is, that's really awesome. We got to get the check from Beltway first before we're up close to fifty grand. But that's very exciting. Sure. You tweeted a couple of weeks ago that it was at the Radford uh, Kroger, correct? Or somewhere? Yes, I was uh, Radford Food Line. And of course, uh, uh, voice recognition turned it into Redford Food Line. So I had to say, you know. Some people pronounce it Redford. You know, <laughs> Radford, Redford. Yeah, I was in the Radford Food Line and I look up, there's there's some six packs of Stick It In Ale. I, I, I didn't know it made its way to Food Line. Well, we've got a great show planned for you here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're going to have some fun today. Typically, we do this type of show uh, in the first or second week of May. But we're doing it at the end of March, of course, with spring sports season cut short due to the impact of the coronavirus. We are going to be recapping the entire 2019-2020 Virginia Tech athletic season. I've got questions for Will and Chris, like biggest high for Virginia Tech athletics this year, the biggest low, best individual performance by a Tech athlete this year, coach of the year, male and female athlete of the year. We've got a lot planned and a lot to get into on the show today. But we're going to start off the show by talking about What great content we have on TechSideline.com right now because despite there not being any sports, we have some excellent reads available um, on the website right now. And Chris, I'll uh, start with you. You had a great Friday Q&A put up at the end of last week. What did you discuss in the article for those that have not gotten the chance to read it yet? I don't know about great. I enjoyed it. I thought it was one of my poorer efforts. It was kind of short. It was short. Not a lot of questions these days. Yeah, uh, but talked about donations and how the the situation could affect donations um which i I think is kind of an unknown right now i i I was thinking more about it this weekend that you know athletic departments obviously revenue is going to fall short for this fiscal year no question about that big way In in a big way we don't know exactly what the donation thing you know is going to look like we don't know what season ticket sales are going to look like 
we don't know how much money Virginia Tech's going to get from the ACC network now. Um, we don't know. We don't know how much they were going to get before, to be honest with you. I I think the number that was being thrown around for the first year was maybe five million per school. So maybe. was it, was it going to be four million now, three but, million? But based on the tack glasses ads and all that kind of stuff we've been seeing, I just don't know about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> so and I, and I don't I don't know. You know, you go to a baseball game at Virginia Tech and you've got the advertising on the video board. You've got the advertising in the outfield. Now there is no baseball season. So yeah. does that advertising money get paid, or has it already been paid? Do you have to pay it back? What happens what, with the contracts? What, what happens to the people who bought suites uh, for, for baseball this year or bought tickets for ACC games, bought those seats down the first baseline for 1000 bucks each? I mean, does all that have to be refunded? I mean, does Virginia Tech make no revenue from that? Um, so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how – donations could impact things you know what if virginia tech ends up something like three or four million in the red for worse or worse for this fiscal year that's bad but it's it it, that can be overcome you 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 ask your donors or maybe a couple of really big donors and say hey obviously the situation was out out of our control but where that Really, where where the where the donors would make the biggest difference is if there's no football season, and Virginia Tech is twenty or thirty million dollars in the red next year. There's no insurance policy that can cover all of that. No, um, and the, the the only thing the only thing that could keep athletic departments afloat is donors writing checks to float the department for one year. I mean, that's the only solution as far as I see it. For Oregon, that's not a problem, right? Phil Knight will just Oklahoma State not oh, a problem. Uh, didn't didn't he die? T Boone? Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure T Boone died. Evan's the one with the computer. Yeah, Evan's the one up. with the computer. T- his name's T Boone? Who's T, T- Boone Pickens. Pickens? Maybe he didn't. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm remembering. I, that I know he is very advanced in age. Right. Um, um, but the Texas schools have a little money. He did. Really? Did. September um, 11th, 2019. Wow. So that was right about the time Virginia Tech was. Well, no, Duke came later. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little distracted. I would. I just would have thought I would have noticed when T Boone Pickens passed away. Yeah. Does it say how old he was? Ninety something, probably. Ninety eight. Two seconds. Some I just, crazy uh, number. Just closed. Uh, he was born in nineteen twenty eight. Passed okay, away so in two thousand nineteen. Early nineties. Yeah. So okay. So that's a great Friday Q and I. I still thought it was really good. I uh, really enjoyed. But I mean, that that's read. it's it's just a lot of stuff that. We don't know the answer to yet. Uh, Will, I really enjoyed this article. Moving along real quick. Uh, the Jamon uh, Gordon article that Corey Van Dyke put together. Yeah. Uh, for those that have not gotten a chance to read it, uh, give us a couple of highlights uh, for those to check out on the website. And Chris, you ran that one as a freebie, right? I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. So uh, um, uh, Corey interviewed Jamon, and, and Jamon's a guy. We, we got to get him sometime when he's in town. We got to get him here. Um but uh, I thought the most interesting thing in that article was how close he and Zabian Dowdell um, are slash were. They met before they got to Tech and just developed. A re- he talked about the bond they developed and how they stay in touch these days. No mention of Coleman Collins, but, but Coleman was always a different guy. You know, Coleman Collins was always, uh, um, I don't want this to sound wrong, he's, He's the intellectual type and to me is more of a more of a solitary type. He's a guy that I thought I thought 
with Jamon Gordon and Zabian Dowdell, you kind of knew where they were coming from and what they were thinking. I don't know that I ever felt that way about Coleman Collins. <laughs> so, Evan, do you know the whole Coleman Collins story? His dad uh, died of cancer while he was a basketball player at Virginia Tech. He was diagnosed, went through the illness, and passed away. And that became a and, – and, and Coleman was actually featured in Sports Illustrated. They did an article on him and his dad. And uh, um, I think that probably brought more – too much attention to him and not the kind of attention he wanted. Um, but I don't know. I've never talked to him about it. We traded emails in the past, but he's, he's kind of a hard guy to reach. Uh, but I just, I, I, when, I, when I think of those, those three guys all came in together and were responsible for a lot of Virginia Tech basketball success at the time, um, I, don't, I don't think Coleman is tight with those guys. But uh, that's a guy I would love to interview at some point in time is Coleman Collins. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a different kind of thinker. Like I said, very intellectual guy, very well read. He was a guy who had, a, what was it, a 1470 on his SAT? Something like that. He is not, you know, in air quotes, your typical basketball player. He's not your typical person, he never was, mind he, basketball he player. Was, he got skipped a grade at one point because he was so smart, yeah. and that's why he got under-recruited in high school because yeah. everybody thought, oh, he's got another year. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't. Right. Um, and, so, and, so Virginia and Ricky Atlanta. Stokes got in on him because he went down to Ricky see an Stokes. AAU tournament in, uh, in Georgia and Coleman played in an early game that Stokes watched, and late in the game he hurt himself. So the rest of the weekend he wasn't very good when the other coaches were there. So you that's another Remember reason. Coleman's dad posted on TSL? Yeah. I, what forget, was his, his, I forget his username. I remember after the Rutgers game, remember uh, Coleman was a freshman, he tipped in the game winner against Rutgers? Yeah. Um, well, that game wasn't on TV. Imagine the time when all games weren't on TV, mm-hmm. right? Well, that mm-hmm. game was not on TV. So Coleman's dad's down in Georgia has no idea what's happening in the game. He logs on the TSL. He's like, what happened in the game? And people are like, oh, you, your boy just tipped in the game winner. Uh, He's like, wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quickly, last uh, article. I think it's really cool. And Chris, I uh, would love to get your thoughts on what you're doing. Reliving 1995 game by game. Uh, part two, Boston College is up right now. What led to the idea mm-hmm. of doing that series and what can we expect moving forward? Uh, one of our subscribers actually. Um, I, I, what did I do? I, I think I started a thread on, on the board talking about what past games or past seasons sh- should should we look back on, and somebody suggested looking back on the '95 season uh, as as a whole. So I, I thought about it a little bit, and then I did a slight bit of research and could actually draw a lot of comparisons to some of the stuff we're seeing the right now yeah it's fascinating uh, yeah so i thought that was a really really good idea so i'm i'm writing the series as if 95 is happening right now mm-hmm. but i'm using like a how we think these days uh, point like, of view yes the, like people didn't follow recruiting back then not nearly as much um well they couldn't because yeah. there, there was no avenue to follow. You had to subscribe to a to a super prep magazine. Yeah, or something yeah, like and, that. and even then, you know, you got something in the mail once a month, and that was it. Maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm th- I'm looking at it from a perspective of if we looked at it from a modern through a modern lens, of course. Um, so the 1995 recruiting class finished dead last in the Big East, even behind Temple. Only didn't the best player we signed in state was the number nineteen player in the state. Tech got crushed in state by Boston College of all teams. Um, Boston College and Tech were 
Well, BC was considered a better program at that point. Yeah, that's right. Frank Beamer actually got offered the BC job at one point and took a visit to Boston College. I did not know uh, that. Absolutely. That was after the 93 season. They, they offered him a pretty decent pay raise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't, sure I don't remember the details, yeah. but it was uh, – um, he's making 115 grand a year, and, and as hard as that is to believe. Right. And very – very, but, you know, very comparable programs. And they offered then. him like 160 grand a year, so it was a substantial raise, yeah, if, was, if I remember my numbers yeah, correctly. That, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look back on this and then think – what we, if we went into a season right now, we had just signed the dead last recruiting class in our conference, which we just about did this year. Like, people would have been angry going into 1995, especially losing, losing, two of the losing last, three of the last three four, of the last including four. getting crushed by UVA at right. home. Lost both coordinators, including Phil Amashin. Yeah. You're placing with a guy, Bud Foster, who has no experience. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're getting the parallels yeah, here? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, so it's very inter- and the, it's very interesting to go back and look, and uh, so yeah, I think I think it's a good read. I'm so ex- the so the next game he's going to cover is the is the shutout by Cincinnati in the rain. The last time Virginia Tech was shut out, sixteen mm-hmm. nothing. And I'm I'm actually going to go back and do research and see the last time Virginia Tech was shut out before, before that before yeah. then, so I can say it's been this long since Virginia Tech right, didn't score right. in a football game. I don't know. I don't know if you know this or not, but Virginia Tech is like the fourth or fifth longest scoring streak in the country. Yeah. Um, Thank God for Mark Lee Allen, 2014 yeah, against Miami, had, we right? Had that conversation. And, Ford, yeah. right. and overtime against Wake Forest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, the iconic uh, uh, Coach Beamer pose at the end of regulation. Uh, all that great content on TechSideline.com, and we're looking forward to more great content this week on the site. All right, I want to spend five minutes before we get into the bulk of our podcast recapping the 2019-2020 Virginia Tech athletic season. I want to spend five minutes because this is a topic that will be brought up at some point later in the day or potentially during the podcast. That's why I have Twitter up. Uh, The NCAA will vote today on uh, the status of spring sport athletes next year and what their eligibility will look like really three options you grant seniors eligibility uh next year you grant everybody a do-over or you don't do anything at all i know we could probably spend a full podcast talking about this and the finances of it and the scholarships but just a five minute conversation here will i'll start with you what should the NCAA do regarding spring sport athletes next year? Well, this is easy for me to say because I don't have to pay for the scholarships or handle the logistics of scholarship limits. But if you think about it from the student-athlete viewpoint, give them the option. Say, you know, you can have an extra year if you want it. Um, and let the athletes make the decision. You know, some athletes are ready to move on. Some already have job offers, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, at know, this point, yeah. And, and sometimes athletes uh, – they barely make it to the finish line. It's very difficult being a college athlete, you know, and 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 some graduate and miss the game forever and, and hate leaving it. But, you know, some don't. Some are glad to finally put that part of their lives behind them. And you offer them another year and they might go, no thanks. Dude, I've, I've already graduated. I'm going to I, grad school. I was just doing it for my scholarship. Yeah. You know, uh, you know I, I, really, I, I really enjoyed my time, but it's time to move sure. on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've. I think, on, in theory, it's it's the right decision to uh, you know give the seniors another year, and for everybody else, have it count as a red shirt or, or whatever. But at the same time, there's also the financial aspect of it. I mean, there's not just an output here; there, there's an input as well. You have incoming freshmen. So first of all, the NCAA 
would also have to pass a, a law that says schools could go over the scholarship limit for one year. Right. It's probably easy, though. You probably just say the kids who were who were well, seniors oh, who are coming back, they don't count. Well, that's the easy part. Yeah, that's absolutely the easy part. Um, the hard part is paying for it. What were we just talking about? Mm-hmm. Are those extra scholarships? Uh, you know, I read an article uh, from a baseball perspective this past week. And if you calculate the scholarship costs and the scholarship limits for each sport, you know, it could cost schools between five hundred and nine hundred thousand dollars a year. An extra. An yeah. extra. Virginia Tech's scholarship uh, bill at this point in time is about $15, $16 million. Right. Dollars and, and then you throw in cost of attendance, the extra team meals, extra travel, uh, maybe an extra few hotel rooms. Yeah, on, it, on all, your, it all yeah. adds up. It all adds up, right? And, and this is a point where, let's be honest, we don't know whether they're going to have football season or not. I have no idea. So how can you make that financial commitment when you don't even know if you're going to get $20 million in season ticket revenue or not. Yeah. Uh, so I think I, ideally, from my idealistic standpoint, it's absolutely the right decision. From a fiscal standpoint, I don't know yet, and I don't know how they can make that decision this early. I got no answers. Now, quickly, you're saying not just the seniors, and everybody gets a do-over in spring sports. Freshmen are freshmen next year, sophomore, or are you saying <sighs> only seniors? I'm saying senior. Well, as far as is the, that is that fair? Well, too? well, I'm talking about from a fiscal standpoint. Sure, sure. Yep. For, so it doesn't matter the year of eligibility. For it doesn't matter. Like any, most kids don't redshirt. Like most baseball players and softball right. players and stuff, they don't redshirt. So it doesn't. You just count as a redshirt for them. So it, so it doesn't matter really. And then also, if you're in the if you're the NCAA, you have to promise. So I'm going to make you take that as your redshirt year. If you tear a knee up. Two years later, yeah, you're going to get a sixth year if you want it. You yeah. know, we're 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 going to pass that. Yeah. No questions asked. Well, you need to make so, promises on the other. So end. my opinion on it is, I technically it's it's the right decision from you know being a nice person standpoint. I honestly have don't know if it's going to be financially feasible. So I don't know why they're doing it. They're making the decision this early. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean. I, I think Virginia Tech would have trouble paying for it. And Virginia Tech operating on almost a $100 million budget. How does Akron pay for that on a $40 million budget? Honestly. You you know, you bring up a valid point about why does that decision have to be made right now? How about we make this decision after we know whether or not the college football season is going to be played? Which, you know, right. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, you know, for the seniors, I think you have to make the decision before the seniors leave campus. Right. So they can enroll in classes for the fall. But at the same time... You're well, well to be honest, they've already left campus, so let's see. <laughs> yeah, they're already gone. <laughs> but, but, but I think right now, what is it, March 29th, uh, 30th? 30th. March 30th, it's a little too early to make that decision, yeah. in my opinion. Give it another month or so and see the landscape then. But honestly, I, I, do, I don't think schools should be required to do it because I don't think some will be able to do it. Mm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Akron could afford it. How could they? This how could is, they this possibly is, this afford is complicated. it? complicated. Yep. Uh, and, and I don't know how they could have collected the data and the opinions of all athletic directors. Because you, you got to talk to coaches, athletic directors, student athletes. you got to talk to everybody and get an informed decision. And ideally, a group of smart people meet around a table and, and spend a whole week talking about it. Based on the data they've collected. Based on the data they've collected. We don't collected. know if any data is being collected. Yeah. You know, so this is an organization that 
Um, nobody's a big fan of the NCAA, but they are an organization that, and typically, this is true of every organization. You've, you've stepped up to a certain point. You have a certain revenue. Everybody's got a job. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you add all of this into it, it just changes the dynamic of the, everything. The, you can't snap your fingers the, and collect this, this data. This is, this is an institution that is prone to making rash emotional decisions to satisfy public appeal. Cost right. of attendance. With, with Which was ho- done horribly. And the huge crackdown on Penn State when, when they were being, you know, back, right, right, back right. when the stuff was going on with Correct. Sandusky. So, yeah, so they're, they're not going to make, in my opinion, they're not going to make this decision armed with all information. It's, it's, they're, it's, they're really good at making decisions with unintended consequences. R- yes, really they, they are. And, and like I said, I'm in favor of it in theory. I just don't know that it's feasible. I think it's, it's going to be feasible for some schools. Yeah. Phil Knight can write Oregon a check, and they yeah. can easily right. cover it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, but like Virginia Tech, I doubt Virginia Tech has any cash reserves right now for, yep. as far as the athletic department. Now, the athletic department, in my opinion, would have to borrow – you know, if there's no football season, the athletic department could have to borrow $20 million from the university. But the university is going to have problems of their own. I mean... All those camp students that were living on campus, they're, uh, right. they're going to get a rebate check. If, if, there's, if there's no football season, that means there's no in-person school. Yeah. How could you do one without... And I, I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more information either way. We, we probably need school. to move on. Now, if this. I'm in school... Uh, and I know two. I know fifty percent of this room right now is in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Malcolm. But, but if if I was in school and I was robbed for a year of being able to actually go to college, I don't mean take classes. I mean go to college. I would quit for a year. I'd say I'll see you next year. I'll see you next year when I'm allowed to come back on campus. I want my four year college experience. Yep. Um, that's what I would do. Some people will probably do that. So Virginia Tech's not going to make as much money next year if there's no in-person school. So they could could they even afford to float the athletic yeah. department alone like that? So I think they're about to make a giant decision without having all the facts, and I wait to see what that decision is. <laughs> Valid points, and I I, I do want to I, I, I wait the opportunity to criticize that decision. <laughs> when I think today we're going to get a lot of answers uh, as we record on this Monday morning, March thirtieth, okay. when the decision comes yeah. in, and that can lead to future discussions on uh, on future shows. Now let's transition to what we're going to spend the majority of the podcast on today. That is recapping the 2019-2020 Virginia Tech athletic season. This is everything. All fall sports, all winter sports, what we had of spring sports, all combined into one. And it's sad to do this now in late March. Again, typically this is one of our final shows of the year uh, that we did last year. We did this in the second week of May. Uh, but we do it here in late March. We're going to give out some awards. We've got some uh, the TSL Coach of the Year Award, another fun um, uh, hardware to get to in the end of the show. But I'll start with this. Uh, Will, how would you describe this athletic year for Virginia Tech athletics as a whole? I know this isn't true of uh, of all programs, but I felt like it was the the three programs I can think of right off the top of my head: football, basketball, and wrestling. I felt it like a, like it was a transition year. Um, uh, maybe not so much for football, but I do think that with that we're all waiting to see what happens with the football program in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. And that that is really going to set the course of Justin Fuente's future here in Blacksburg. I don't think anybody expected a lot of the 2019 team. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but 
basketball definitely nothing was expected of this year's team and it's all about building for the future wrestling they knew with makai lewis out and some great young wrestlers either red shirting or just being true freshmen that this wasn't going to be a great year for wrestling uh other sports you know not not that's not so much true you know uh, women's basketball had their best season in in a long time and i think softball was poised to have a really good season uh so for me, for, for the major sports that I pay the most attention to, it felt to me like just kind of a holding pattern. Uh, so, thoughts? I think the football program has felt like it's been in transition for 10 years. The whole decade. Yep. We were, first it was, when's Beamer going to retire? And then you get a couple years like, oh, cool. And then it's, well, when's Bud going to retire? And we're finally at the And now it's ever, half the people want Fuente to leave. Yeah. So... Yeah. I think we've been in transition for a decade. I'm kind of used to it by now, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, but overall, I'm disappointed that sports are canceled from the standpoint that after the winter, I think Virginia Tech was on their highest standing ever in the Director's Cup. No kidding. Yeah. And, um, and of course, the uh, women's basketball made the NCAA or would have made the NCAA tournament. That would have added to it. Um, pick up some points from wrestling. You look at softball; they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. Track and field, track and field, always well. successful. Yeah. Um, Lacrosse was top twenty-five, right? Um, baseball, was, much, much better. Yep, they really so, were. So, I'm disappointed because I think things were setting up for possibly Tech's highest finish ever. In yeah, the I was Rutgers really Cup. waiting to see what baseball would do once ACC play really got started. Oh, uh, who's their number one pitcher? Ian Seymour. Ian Seymour. I saw recently ranked uh, the number eighty-four prospect. Uh, the, overall yeah and his last start for virginia tech he's what i struck out 15 or 16 guys he struck out uh it was the most i i, I am like 90 percent sure of this it was the most strikeouts by a tech pitcher in acc play he struck out eight of the first 10 batters of mm. that game mm. against a top 20 georgia tech team right. that is a very good uh, on the very, road a good lot, hitting a lot of hitters yep. in that line and oh and they uh and they and he struck out uh, they had one of the this, this guy who led the acc in batting average he was hitting 500 at one point he had over like uh 50 at bats mm-hmm. um but he struck out 14 in six innings wow yeah um, I mean, that's, that's unheard of in ACC, but you just don't do that. And we're not going to get to enjoy him at his best because he's a junior. But the thing is, MLB draft has been reduced to five rounds, but he might still go in the five right. rounds. Right, that's what I'm saying. He yeah. might he might be a top five-round pick, and you don't turn that down. Because <laughs> I, if, if I you sure come hope back he doesn't get senior, drafted. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. That's awful. Um, <laughs> if you come back, you're drafted as a senior, you don't have any – you don't have any leverage, leverage yeah. right? Yeah. So you have to take that as a junior. So we're robbed of seeing Ian Seymour, and Ian Seymour himself is robbed of his yeah. best season in college. Wow. Here's what I said to recap the year. I just said one sentence. I said, great moments that lacked a shining moment. I think that's fair. There was no, for example, Makai Lewis winning a national championship. Um no Sweet 16 for the basketball team. No Sweet 16 for the women's basketball team. Who knows what would happen? Right. Who knows what would have happened with Ja'Cory Patterson? Yeah, the track. Yeah, uh, you know it. He he could. He's a potential winner. Yeah. No, I, I I totally. But there were a lot of great moments, and we're gonna break them all down here. So that was kind of recapping as a whole. Uh, I've got some individual questions now. I'm gonna start with Chris on this. 
biggest high for Virginia Tech athletics this year was what? I got mine. It's relatively speaking, probably the Miami game because of what happened the previous week. <laughs> um, you could also go. You could also go to UNC just because of the uh, how the game went down. Uh, either one of those two. I know you're picking. Mallard. Those moments might come up later with future questions. Just yeah. for the record, yeah. yeah. Will, what was oh, your biggest I'm, I'm, high? I'm picking the win over Michigan State in the Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I did not, as we as we've talked about, I unfortunately did not get to experience the the UNC football game in person. <laughs> I was down in South Carolina, so I did not get to feel Lane Stadium. So uh, maybe that uh, colors my answer a little bit. But, uh, you know, a, a team full of freshmen beating the number three team in the country in the Maui Invitational, that was pretty the darn good. The preseason number one team as well. Yeah, I'm very, very glad it happened for those players. Yeah. Not so glad that it happened for the fan base because it raised expectations uh, way higher than – Not Well, if you yeah. read our message boards, it were Yeah. Not for us reasonable fans. I'm going to say biggest but, high was uh, – sorry to cut you off. No, go biggest, uh, biggest high was the stretch of football games from the Miami game to Pittsburgh. Those back-to-back shutouts. Through Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. even back- though the Notre Dame was sprinkled in there, that was a high. That, that was just – things were on a high trajectory. It went from all of a sudden the Duke lost to – Tech could win the ACC Coastal and go to the yeah. ACC Championship and clinch an Orange Bowl. It was just a – you know, that month or so was a, was a pretty big overall high for Tech Athletics. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a, that was I would a agree with it. Um, how about the biggest low of the year for Virginia Tech Athletics? Duke. Hands down, Duke. Yeah, I say that as someone who picked Duke to win the game in my preview. I didn't, did. pick, I didn't pick Duke to win 45 to 10, though. So, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I picked Duke to win too. Didn't didn't we both pick Duke to win? I have no idea what you did. Yeah, I, I know. Recall. I know. I picked. No, I don't think you did. You did not. Oh, that's right. I probably gave it the old. I just can't do that. I just, you said I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, for some reason, I I totally forgot about Duke. I said it was the losing stretch for men's basketball, two and ten to finish the year, um, yeah. and that that. See, but yeah. but the, the Duke game. I mean that podcast. I'll never forget that that podcast that Monday morning when we had nearly five thousand. Still our listeners. most listened, most watched Ooh. podcast. I remember after that walking out, I said, "Well, we're going to have a very interesting podcast it's, on it's, Monday." It's, it's interesting that the sports fans. I, I guess they. Uh, I don't know why they decide to group together. They're mm-hmm. more inclined to pay attention in times of misery. Yeah. Right. Like, why didn't we set our record the week after the Miami game? I know. Or the week after the UNC game. Yeah, the, the, it's been my experience doing this for many, many years that the, the hysteria, the joy after a big win lasts about a day or two. Mm-hmm. But, the man, the hand-wringing and second-guessing after a bad loss is – last all week. Yeah. <laughs> goes until on you, forever. Until you almost. win again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that saying some people say they hate to lose more than they like to win. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, so, listen, we've got a lot of more fun questions to get to. Game of the year, best individual performance by a tech athlete, team of the year, coach of the year, all that and more coming up here in just a moment here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll pause for a timeout. When we come back, the next question on our list of recapping the 2019-2020 athletics year, what surprised you most in Virginia Tech athletics? This is the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. 
If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. We're so glad you could join us for episode 124. Here's what we record on this Monday morning, March the 30th. Evan Hughes, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, and Malcolm Stewart. A reminder, if you're watching live on Facebook, be sure to drop a question or if you want to chime in to some of these questions as we recap the 2019-2020 Virginia Tech Athletics year, be sure to chime in, give us your opinion, and we'll get to them at the end of the show. All right, continuing on, next question. What surprised you most in Virginia Tech athletics this season? It could be on or off the field. I'll start with Will Stewart. I just, I, it, it, I know when you say surprise, everybody wants to come up with something good. <laughs> but all I can think about is that Duke game. Just how surprised I was at the collapse. You know, that, that game... There's, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes left to go in the second quarter. Tech's winning 3 nothing. They fumble. Duke throws for a touchdown, and Tech just goes and collapses. Um, I'm sorry I can't come up with anything positive. What am, what am I not thinking of? Men's What's, basketball. They finished 500. They were supposed to win 10 games maybe mm. and go about 2-18 and 18 in the ACC. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, I think I think we said on last week's podcast. I, I think I made the statement like uh, I can say it now that the season's over. I thought they were going to win four ACC right. games and they uh, wound up winning seven. So I'll go off the Duke thing. I think uh, to to flip that the Duke loss to me in a positive was how Virginia Tech was able to turn it no, around they, yeah. in football and have the that's season a, they did. that might actually be the biggest surprise the Miami game. I think that's fair. Uh, going, I mean, from what happened the week before. How many people actually thought Tech had a chance to beat Miami the next week? Yeah. Um, or anybody, for that matter. Nobody. I wrote the day after the Duke game that we'd look like a team that was going to win three games all year, and we'd already won two of them. And I, and I tweeted out, well, you don't recover from that one. Yeah. Well, well it turns out they did. Um, so I think that's fair. I, I don't want to bring up a uh, negative at all, but I'll pose this question. Was the biggest surprise losing the Commonwealth Cup? No. No. No, 16 years, man, they were Man, due. man, the more of those things you win, the more likely you are to, to just, lose. Yeah. <laughs> the law of averages, <laughs> yeah. right, Chris? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think those are all good for uh, for biggest surprises. Um, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's have some fun here with a couple of uh, other questions. Best individual performance by a Virginia Tech athlete this year? Any sport. I'm not dialed enough into wrestling to know, like, like when they went to Ohio State, did one of the guys pull off an upset that, that people didn't see coming? Well, I, the thing that was impressive about that match was that David McFadden lost. Um, and they still won. I mean, are we, talking, won. are we talking about individual performance in one game? Yeah, or, like, or I, one, I'm, I'm really trying to go with an athlete here, like somebody who just had a... Um, un- just dominant for their sport. Yes, or, um, yeah, just... I, I would say... You have a few options there. Uh, Ja'Cory uh, Patterson, um, of course, for track, outstanding, dominant. Keely Richard, pitcher for softball, extremely dominant. Caleb Farley, lockdown corner. Mm. 
That's a good um, pick. Maybe we'd have been able to say Ian Seymour if 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 we got a little more evidence. Individual performances, maybe uh, Landers Nolly dropping thirty on uh, Michigan State. Is that, uh, is that how many he scored? Uh, it was either that. I think it was high twenties, uh, like twenty eight. He might might have been thirty against Clemson. I know it was thirty against yeah. Clemson. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll probably go Patterson because he broke like the national record for. Yeah. For, oh yeah. 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 I'll go best individual performance. I did some research on this. Virginia Tech women's indoor track and field. So going into the final day of the ACC championships, they were in fifth place with 25 and a half points. Final day, they explode for 80 points in the win. And a huge boost was a gold medalist performance. The 4 by 400 meter team, Rachel Baxter, Sarah Edwards, and Caitlin Tate winning. That was a big part of that day. So I'm going to go. Left, that was only three people. That was only three people. The article only for some reason gave three. <laughs> so I was reading, <laughs> no. so I, I apologize. You're no, only I'm, as good I'm as leaving somebody source. out. But that four by 400 meter team, the gold medalist, uh, was huge in the win for that. So I'm going to go that performance uh, for women's indoor track and field. Man, I remember a year where Tech won, a, won an ACC track and field championship by edging someone out in the 800 meters by like less than a second that that kind of thing um just like like this much is the difference between winning the acc and not winning the acc yeah there's i like i I like the fact you brought up caleb farley because i remember the the pro football focus grades that we um they they gave out and i forget what exact um exact statistic there was but something about uh I don't know, something thrown his way or something. Like UNC 20- kept throwing at him. <laughs> I think they completed one out of nine passes against him. And remember, he got hurt right before halftime. He only played a, less than half that game, yeah. considering went six overtime. So, so Mac Brown's going to recruit really, really well. Whether, but if he, he he can have the, but if he keeps having those players throw the ball at people like Caleb Farley, then. <laughs> if you keep playing the other team's limited, strengths. Right? So you talk about big surprises. Maybe Caleb Farley becoming one of the best corners in the country one year after he wasn't. <laughs> one year after he wasn't. <laughs> I like that. All right. I think we know where a lot of people are going to go with this. Game of the year in Virginia Tech Athletics. Yeah, that's got to be the UNC yeah, game. UNC that's UNC just game. that's classic stuff. Six yeah. over. I think that time. game will live on for decades. People will remember that game, and no doubt, and, I, ju- and just the ups and downs of it. Six overtimes by itself, but the fact that Virginia Tech had three different quarterbacks throw a touchdown pass. In that yeah, game, right. Yeah. And maybe the prettiest was Ryan Willis's. Well, I guess the fourth down from Quincy, you can make the argument. Both, both were just but dimes. They were perfect, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, how big of a lead did UNC take in that game? Because I remember they got off to a good start, maybe 10 nothing. I think they were up 10 nothing, maybe. Yeah, and then, uh, then uh, Hooker threw, that, uh, threw a touchdown pass to Turner, I think, that cracked the seal and got things going back and forth. Yeah, there, there was so much – it was basically like a game and a half almost, so it's hard to hard to remember all the details. You remember Quincy's pass, Khalil Ladler. I remember his run. I remember Ladler's plays. But I bet if I went back and watched it, there'd be a lot that, that where like, I said, wow. "Oh man, I forgot about his that. run where he broke through the line of scrimmage." Was just place was electric yeah, yeah, when that, that happened. Yeah, um, that that was reminiscent of. Uh, um, I, I, the noise Lane Stadium made against Miami in 2011 when it was fourth and one at something like the 20-yard line. And and the seas just 
parted and Logan Thomas ran up the middle oh, untouched. Yeah, very much. And there's that moment where it goes like this, like Moses goes like this, and the whole stadium realizes he's going to score. And then it's just yelling for 30, 40, 50 yards or whatever. I, I, I've had front row seat behind the UNC bench for the second half and overtime of that game. And so I watched Mac Brown pretty much the whole time, and he's just – He's, he's the clapper. <laughs> he doesn't say anything to anybody. He doesn't do a bit of coaching. Ultimate CEO. Yeah, the ultimate CEO. I mean, the guy's got two Jerry kills on his staff, yeah. right? So he is the ultimate CEO. So what? My, one of these days, I hope to, I hope I hope to get to ask Quincy Patterson this question: What is it like when you're running 50 yards for a huge touchdown, and there's just nothing but grass in front of you, and the crowd's going nuts? Do you even hear them? You know, what is it like? And the thing is, you know, he can, since he's running towards the, the Student north end section, zone, right? he can look up at the Jumbotron and see if anybody's about to catch him. Yeah. Assume, assuming the camera, people are doing, doing a good job. job. Yeah. yeah. You know, a couple of things, too, you remember from that game. I remember, I don't know if you remember, Ryan Willis was rolling to his right. And he threw the ball, I want to say, out of bounds over his head. Oh, I remember that. He didn't come back in the game and after that. And I, and I think everybody was thinking, <laughs> is Quincy going to get a, you know. He didn't come back in the game the rest of his career after that one. <laughs> no, was that his final play of his career? Probably. That's the straw oh, that broke the camel's back. Yeah. We, we do need but to go research that, that At that point, they would have rather had Quincy Batters. Or you can only rep two quarterbacks throughout the week of practice, yeah. right? With your actual game plan. So at that point, they would have rather had a quarterback in the game that they hadn't repped. But they had no idea what he was going to do. Well, that's the idea. They had no idea what Ryan Willis is going to do. Right, right. right. So Quincy, I think they trusted, well, if we limit the amount of plays, don't ask him to do too much. He's a smart enough kid. He's not going to turn the ball over. We know what we're going to get. He's just going to run the ball a lot. Right. So so he was more predictable. That's true. Um, And then I I think, seriously, when I look back on it 20 years from now, the the most (laughs) – the, the, a funny thing about that game was when everybody's going nuts. It's the end of the four overtimes. Both kickers have missed a couple of chip shots. Like UNC could have won in double overtime. They missed it wide right. Yep. But was when the official comes on the mic after four overtimes and the crowd oh, just goes silent because nobody knows what's going to happen. You could have heard a pin drop. Because how nobody I, knows the rules. I, I didn't know that the overtime rules had changed. I didn't know. I forgot about uh, it. I, I didn't even know. I see that he's going out there to talk, and I'm like, I think he's about to say something important. <laughs> <laughs> so I better shut up. <laughs> and I think everybody had that feeling. It's like if so, he started talking, and everybody's like, <laughs> but seriously, just, just nobody stopped. was cheering. I mean, no. the band wasn't playing. I mean, it's, everybody did not. I mean, the stadium was full, and I've ne- you've never seen Lane Stadium full like that where, like, nobody was making a sound. Yeah, It's just funny. very, very yeah. strange. Game game of the year, and I keep going back to it. We talked about you know, the 2019 schedule and beginning of the year. Oh, there might not be a marquee home game. And even though there wasn't, like, you know, the Ohio State or whatever, there are a couple of great memories I from I this season. I wouldn't trade that one. I mean, yeah. that was yeah, uh, and the Wake Forest game was a lot of fun oh, yeah. and uh, shutting out Pittsburgh, you know, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. it was it was raining that day. It was Pittsburgh day. It was raining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it turned out to be a, a fun home football season, even though everybody going in said this is going to be September. Terrible. Not so fun after September. <clears throat> fun. Lots of fun. Yeah. All right. We transition now to the Virginia Tech 2019 2020 athletics team of the year. And I'll start with Chris on this. I guess you got to go with the women's indoor track. They won. They won the ACC. You, you could also make arguments for men's soccer, who made the Sweet Sixteen. 
uh, I think you could say women's soccer, which I actually think had a better team than men's soccer. They just didn't make it as far in the yeah. tournament. But, you know, tournaments are, are a crapshoot. Um, depending on how women, how far women's basketball would have advanced in the NCAA yeah. tournament, maybe you could have said softball, them. Maybe knows? you could have said softball at the end of the year. But just based on the evidence we have now, basically what we're doing right now is – Team of the fall and team of the winter. Yeah. Right? So I, I would go women's, women's indoor track. Well, yeah, I can't add a whole lot to that. Uh, you know, I, I, could, I could play the basketball card and say, you know, the men's basketball team turned out to be better than we thought they were, particularly a year ago at this point in time. Not a year ago, but 11 months ago. I was splitting hairs here. I was so torn between but, but yeah, I think I think all the things you guys listed are a little stronger cases. I, I think – a, 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 almost a tie, very close women's indoor track, and then you know women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Two thousand six, the last time they made the NCAA yeah, tournament. Right. You know that was just their what third year into the ACC, second that, year that, into the ACC. That's hard to comprehend. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And that team, I mean, Taja that Cole was time. such a good grad transfer, and and came right in and fit so well into the the system, and they were just a fun team to watch. And so, um, yeah, I think that those are. I think we just laid it out, but I think those two are probably top tier candidates for for team of the year. Um, and again, I think Chris said about it. it's tough to do this when you don't have a full body of work and a season to evaluate on. So we're doing the best that we can. Yeah. Uh, let's transition team of the year to coach of the year. Uh, I think a lot of ways you could go with this. Will I'll start with you? Who'd you Mike, go with? Mike Young to to inherit nothing. <laughs> And recruit enough guys to mm-hmm. to win seven games in the ACC. And did they ever actually crack the rankings? No, I think they were. <clears throat> like, they got some votes. I think they were like twenty seventh or something like that. Maybe yeah. after. Uh, yeah, that's uh, just uh, maybe at one point, uh, or maybe not, because they followed up that Michigan State game by getting blown out getting the next two days. By Dayton and uh, it was the day after they beat Michigan State that like CBS Sports for some idiotic reason put them 11th in the country that's right an unofficial they did. Yeah. and i'm like you've got to be kidding me yeah yeah what, what I, we- I would expect more from a professional national network to but anyway so what are the other candidates here well yep. i think you throw kenny brooks in there yeah. um for women's basketball kenny brooks think- and, and signali yeah for for would, track would i think those are your hands. top three candidates um, Dave uh, has uh, he's been a phenomenal coach for a long time. Yeah, you know um, he almost gets a lifetime achievement award yeah. at this point. It's uh, it's unfair to not name a guy coach of the year because you expect him to be that good, right? Like, let's say you're picked. First. It's like Dabo Sweeney in the ACC Coach of the Year award. Right, he can yeah. never win it. Right, <laughs> uh, so like Tony Bennett. Let's say you're picked first and you finish first and you go like 16 and two in, in basketball. You don't win it because the guy who was expected to go four and 16 happened to go eight and 10. Right. Like, like you can argue that buzz should have been ACC coach of the year last year. Right. In basketball because, right. because of what he did after Justin, Justin Robinson, Robinson got hurt. Went down. And buzz always told the media, I'll never win an ACC coach of the year award. 
insinuating that the media doesn't like me, right? right. Then he goes to the SEC and wins ACC, or SEC Coach of the Year in his first year. Yeah, his very first year. Because yeah. down there, I don't. I think I don't. I think the media is pretty much used to dealing with coaches with different personalities who they may or may not like. ACC media is not used to that. Plus, it's 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 early in his tenure down there when when everything he says is so fascinating, and after four or five years of that, you're just like, oh, there he goes again. Right. <laughs> I think I think you hit the nail on the head. The job though that Mike Young did when he got the job and the the the, the cupboard was bare. Co- coaching with, isn't just coaching; it's recruiting and managing the program. Right. And how about the staff he brought in too? You know, oh, I don't yeah. think that gets enough credit. Yeah, I, I don't the, think the, he the made assistants. a I don't think he made a wrong move. Yeah. And as far as we know, he's held that staff together, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. bringing moving. in Ace Custis in the role that he's I, been in. I, I, and, yeah, he's you know? the, yeah, for sure. And there, there's been some concern about losing Chester Frazier. Right. In fact, Frazier, forget which school, it was either a low major or a mid major. Frazier got a job offer as a head coach last year after he took the tech job as an assistant, and he didn't move on. He decided to stay. He's going to be a head coach one day. He played at Illinois under Bruce Weber, and then he coached at Kansas State under Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber's a defensive genius. So he's got the defensive part down. Chester Frazier played against Virginia Tech in the NCAA tournament that year and scored zero points in 36 minutes. (coughs) Complete defensive-minded player, right? So to be a head coach, he's already got the defensive part of it down, and I think he made a big difference for Virginia Tech defensively this year. Now he's coaching under Mike Young. He's learning some offense. So when he becomes a head coach one day, he's going to have yeah. – he won't just be a defensive-minded coach. He'll have some better ideas about the offensive side of the ball. That was a great hire by Mike Young. Um, but within a couple of years, he'll probably need to make another great hire to replace Chester Frazier. But as far as losing coaches, I, I bet the, you know, the coaching carousel what – what, what if you fired a coach like that Monday – and then everything gets shut down a few days later. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You can't go out and meet this, these guys in yeah. person and, yeah. and and hire them. So has I, there has there I, been any movement in basketball coaching? I, I haven't. There has been some, like Patino, to Iona, Iona. right? <clears throat> um, don't get me as Will shakes there. his head for those that can't watch. Yeah, uh, dear Iona, Rick Patino hooked seventeen and eighteen year olds up with prostitutes. Right. Google it. Yeah. What, what it you, actually happened. You right. just hired that guy. Yeah, what are you thinking? I mean, there can't be that much pressure from Iona fans to win. <laughs> I mean, seriously. This clip right here might be one of the best 30-second segments of this podcast all year. But in, um, at any rate, so conference tournaments didn't end. Let's say you were a couple days away from making the announcement that you were going to fire your coach. Everything gets shut down. You're like, wait a second. I don't know that I'll be able to hire a replacement if I fire my coach. I better not fire him. So some schools are going to be stuck with a coach they don't want for another year. I'm going to have to hire Rick Pitino. (laughs) Will is clearly a big fan of this hire, saying it totally sarcastically. Um, I'll say this, move on from coach of the year, too. I I do think Kenny Brooks, strong consideration to Mike Young, though, because he lost his two centerpieces after last year, and Reagan McGarity and Taylor Emery, both who were um, invited to WNBA training camps. Uh, Reagan McGarity was drafted. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of uncertainty about this team because of the youth coming into this year uh, and implementing a low post presence in Kitley, which is something he did not have in his first three years. And the fact that they were going to be an NCAA tournament team, I think, says a lot about the 
job he did this year. Um, I think he could have been ACC Coach of the Year. Person, I think the uh, Coach Burnaby McNamee at, at Boston College was a good pick too. But um, I think both basketball coaches had a really good year. And let's remind everybody that Kitley was uh, ACC Freshman of the Year, and you know the, the, this isn't the old Big East or ACC days where there are eight or nine team, eight or nine schools in your conference. There are fifteen schools in the conference. That's that's a lot of freshmen. It's it's a it's just a bigger honor these days to make an all conference team mm-hmm. or get named player of the year or freshman of the year or defensive player of the year. It's a it's a bigger honor than it used to be because the conferences are bigger. Yep. All right, now time for our final two questions before we turn it over to Facebook Live questions. Women athlete, woman athlete of the year. I think for completed seasons, probably Kitley, uh, Keely Rochard would have given her a run for her money had softball season been completed. In fact, I'd probably – I'm going to take a guess and say that Rochard would win it if her season had been completed. But yeah. we don't know that for a fact, so it's probably got to be Kitley. Any uh, candidates from soccer? <clears throat> uh, women's soccer? I mean, you could always go Manny McGlynn. You could. I mean, she, she's the uh, she's US a rock under, star. She was a U.S. under-21 goalkeeper, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and what about uh, lacrosse? Uh, you know, Paige Petty on the tour and watch list, you know, could have really used a full season to have comparison. But she, I mean, she'll, I think she'll go down as the best player in program history, and she's only a junior. So, um, you know, so, I, I, you know, again, it's tough. I mean, I, I you look at Keely Rochard's number for softball. Again, folks, they were 21-4 and four this year. Uh, and Rochard ended up, uh, let's see, she had 183 strikeouts to 24 walks. I believe she was leading the country in strikeouts and was 15 and three in the circle, 1.52 ERA. That is so hard to do. There are some really good candidates out there. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to pick. Uh, what year is Keely Rochard? She's a junior. Junior. Yeah, so, so it might be, it's going to be really hard to pick next year too. Yeah. Well, well, I really wanted her to go through a whole season, so then you can start comparing what she did this year to what Angela Tincher did at the height of her career. That that's that's uh, an examination of stats that I wanted to do that we we never got to do. Yeah, um, and I think another candidate is Asia Shepard for uh, Tech women's basketball, first mm-hmm. team All ACC. Twenty uh, eighth wow. Hokies surpassed a thousand career points, set the single season three point field goal record with eighty four this year for Tech. I mean, it's tough to me, you know, win an award, All ACC first team. That's a that's a high honor. Was um, she a junior this year? She's a junior as well. Okay. So, yeah, I think it's tough to pick. I think so too. I think these are all really good candidates. Yeah, we're just throwing names out. We didn't actually pick. We didn't actually pick one. Did Who would we? you go with, Will? Oof. I'd probably, since I am more familiar with the sport of basketball, I'd probably go with Kitley. CC. Uh, McGlynn. McGlynn. McGlynn with women's yeah. soccer. Yeah. I, I think when you're the, was it, uh, she, is it under 21 or under 20? At, at, at any rate, she's the, she was the goalkeeper for when she was eligible from an age standpoint for, the U.S. national under 20 or under 21 team, which means she's the best in the entire country. In general, there's three goalkeepers for each one of those teams. So she's one of the three best goalkeepers for that age group in the entire country. I mean, All right, you've, you've that, convinced me. I that, think that's fair. Yeah. 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 And now she's playing professionally. No, no, uh, right. Now she's playing professionally, was drafted. And we're talking about women's U.S. soccer is the best women's soccer mm-hmm. in the world. So... She's probably not ever going to be the U.S. national goalkeeper, but that's just because there's so many other 
great ones already on the team. All right, I'm, I'm yeah. with you on that, then. That, that certainly deserves recognition. All right, and our last one, Male Athlete of the Year. CC, I'll lead off with you. I think... I think maybe the best overall athlete at Virginia Tech is Ja'Cory Powell. It was probably going to be Ja'Cory, you know, if he was allowed to yeah. get all the way through. Yeah. Now it, Hunter Bo- Hunter Bolin didn't get a chance to win a national yeah, championship. You're right. You're right. I, so I would I, I put Patterson Bolin was twenty four and two. He was the two seed going into the NCAA's and he was ranked as the number one wrestler in Intermat in eighty four. What if he had won the national championship? We'd be picking him. We don't know that he wouldn't have. Exactly, right. that's what I'm saying. Right, and I right, think I think right. he had a really but, but good then, chance to but win. But then what if what if Ja'Cory Patterson had won a national What if they both won a national championship? Yeah. And how would we pick him? You just you'd have to give it to both of them. Yeah. yeah. And Patterson, like you said, broke records. Right. I mean big right. records. Like national records. Right. Like yeah. Patterson, I mean, Patterson's just. Or no, 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 wasn't his like? Didn't he break one of the world records like for under I a certain so. age group? Yep. Yeah, like yeah. under nineteen or something like yeah. that. What, wasn't he a sophomore this year? Yes, I think so. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Man, what a shame. Yeah, those are some great. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think you can make the, make another case too as like as a finalist for Caleb Farley mm-hmm. uh, in the season he had for football. Like we just talked right. about. Um, uh, speaking of Patterson, the big question is, I, I think. Some of these winter sports athletes, what do you do with track people? Like, their outdoor track hasn't started yet, right? But indoor track is completed. Can you redshirt for one as, of those and not the other? As far as giving them an extra year of eligibility. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. No ruling right now as I look on Twitter to see if any uh, news has come about. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Speaking of questions, you know, one of our favorite things to do here on the podcast is turn it over to Malcolm Stewart. Facebook Live questions. Uh, we turn it over to you, Malcolm. Anyone? anyone? Yeah, how are we doing? So far, we've got one from Michael Watson. <clears throat> uh, did anyone see Justin Hamilton's Twitter posts about players without about players without saying names staying in state? Yeah, um, I did. I don't remember exactly what it said. Forget, can you can you pull it up? Exactly. It was after uh, Trevion Henderson committed to Ohio State, and and I and basically Hamilton yeah you can read it quote it takes loyalty to stay home it takes guts to stay home when leaving has been a trend it takes a legend to put a state and program on his back and create his own definition of trend hashtag VA to VT hashtag this is home close quote there was another one after that or before that Bo Davidson retweeted it was a it was like it was basically like, what do you expect us to like get mad when we don't get a recruit? Something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's quote, we supposed to be upset when we lose out? Kids make choices, so be it. If anything, I respect it. If we're not your number one, make it known. We'll shoot our shot at the next ones. This is us. If it's not for you or you're not sure, good luck. If it is, why wait? Get in and let's go. Yeah. Um, Close quote. Whoa. Reverend Zeke, who was a basketball scout, yeah, right? Yeah. He sat in a room one time with a Virginia Tech assistant basketball coach, and this was back in the day. And the coach was talking to a recruit on the phone, and the coach told the recruit, there are two things you can tell me today that would make me happy. One would make me happy, happier than the other, but they will both make me happy. Number one, you can tell me, yes, I want to be recruited by Virginia Tech very hard because I'm extremely interested in the school. That would make me the most happy. But what would also make me happy is if you said, no, I'm not interested. Just Don't I, waste I, I, your time. Don't waste your time. I'm not going to Virginia Tech. 
And the coach would be like, okay, that's fine. I'll just move on to somebody else. What coaches hate is when, you know, you know, they maybe get told they have a great chance or maybe they're even in the lead. They get strung along, they get, in other words. Right, they get strung along, and, yeah. and it turned out to be a whole waste of time. Not to suggest that's the situation with Henderson, but coaches like everybody else, you know, they, they like to know what they're getting themselves into, into recruitments. I mean, there have been situations in the past where guys have committed to Virginia Tech coaches verbally the night before signing day and then signed with Florida State the next morning. That's actually happened a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, there's no way I there's no way I could be a college coach dealing with recruiting these days. No, no chance. You could help with the redshirt department. I, I don't want to even <laughs> want to do that because um, none of them want a redshirt. But – well, well, Billy Hype, for one, couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand it. Yeah. Billy lot. was actually pretty good at it. He just hated it so much that yeah. he didn't want to do the, it anymore. Uh, the, the ratio of coaches who put up with stuff like that and keep on going is way higher than guys like Billy Hyde who say, I'm not going to do this anymore. You have to have a certain – You're going to lie to my face. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Right, right. There's a certain mentality that you have to have as, as a recruiter. I have no – I mean, I agree with Justin Hamilton's tweet – uh, I agree with his mentality on it. Henderson committed to Ohio State Friday night. I was expecting him to commit to Ohio State. Yeah. Um, there were, so it's it's just I, I saw it on Twitter. In fact, I forgot that it was going to happen. I think I saw it at like oh, 8, I didn't 15. look till 8 o'clock. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, huh, he I did forgot it about that. He did it at 7 o'clock. I didn't even look so at 8 o'clock. So if he had committed to Virginia Tech – uh, we'd have been late. We'd have been late. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because we just weren't expecting it, so we weren't paying any attention. Um, so I, I agree with his thoughts on it. Recruit guys who fit your culture. Uh, that's how Virginia Tech was built. Virginia Tech is not going to magically start signing five-star recruits or even top 100 recruits. I, I mean, I, I just looked at the most I – look, I looked at the most recent classes the other day in 247 and looked at, like, the top – at the five-star recruits, basically. And I think a couple went to South Carolina, but they were like from Columbia. One went to Oregon. Other than that, they're all going to the same schools. Yeah. So yeah. Virginia, Tech, Virginia Tech can't break into that. But, like, not even North Carolina is breaking into that right now. And they've they've got a top-ten class, and they're not even breaking into that. Yeah, they're, they're like top the, four. That's what Trev, people like Trevion Henderson do. They go to Ohio State. Uh, people talk about, like, you know, player development and things like that. Players know that if they face the best competition every day in practice, that will help them. If you're a five-star offensive tackle, you're going to go to Ohio State where you have to block Bosa, somebody uh, somebody whose last name is Bosa. Uh, you know, <laughs> One of the endless yeah, string of Bosa. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's going to get you ready to the NFL more so than coming to Virginia Tech, and you're blocking 5'11 Eli Adams coming off the edge. Yeah. Right? So – and likewise, if you're a running back and you're going up against NFL linebackers on a daily basis, that's going to better prepare you than. And I think Virginia, I think Ray Short Ashby is a great football player, but he's not an NFL football player. Nah. That's going to prepare you better than, than going against Virginia Tech's linebackers. It's just a basic, basic fact. I mean, you see it in a lot of sports these days. I pay a lot, a lot of attention to soccer these days. And you see guys would rather go play for like Manchester City or Liverpool's reserve team 
They know they're never going to break into the first team, but by staying on that reserve team for a couple years, they're practicing against the best, and then they go play somewhere else, and it helps them for their careers later on. So even even these guys, they go to Ohio State, practice against NFL guys for a couple years. Even if they don't play, they can transfer somewhere else, and they're going to be a better player because of it. So that's the line of thinking for these guys, and you're not going to break down that barrier. You're not going to. Hmm. I hate to keep saying that, but you're not. I got nothing to add. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Any others, Malcolm? Yeah, from Eric Fisher. <clears throat> if we have football, how happy are you that we have not one, but three quarterbacks with real game experience? How scary would it be to have someone who's never played significant time or knows your system? Mm-hmm. That, that's that's a good question. And uh, even if you think about to like 2021, l- l- let's – Let's, for the sake of argument, say there's no football season this year. And then there is one in 2021, and whoever Virginia Tech's quarterback is going to be will have started college games before. Nobody else is going to know what they've got. Like, I'd assume there'd be an NFL draft two years in a row, even if there is no football. So you guys that have already decided to, like, come back to Clemson this year instead of entering the NFL draft – they're going to like, I can't do this again. i got to go to the NFL right now. Yeah. So teams like Clemson and Ohio State, guys who always have a bunch of guys declare early, they're going to be reaching down to the bottom of the barrel. Now, their bottom of the barrel is really, really good. It's better than anybody else's bottom of the barrel. But there, there's going to be an experience factor at those schools if te- if you missed a year with football that, that's just not going to be there. But even if there is football this year with no spring practice for most teams, unlike Louisville and Clemson, of course, <clears throat> Um, I think for team it benefits teams with more experience. There, there are certain spots of Tech's team where I wish there was a spring practice. I wish, you know, those new transfer running backs coming in, yeah. they could get some time in the system and things like that. But on the whole, I'm more disappointed about losing strength and conditioning than I am spring practice. Uh, I think this particular Tech team needs strength and conditioning more so then they need spring practice. Yeah, the, in young, my the young offensive and defensive Yeah, like Doug Nestor, Brian Hudson. I'd rather them spend two, three solid straight months in a weight room. Uh, like Mario Kendricks. Right, if I had Pollard. my choice, right, yeah. but between that. Uh, no, I want to do both, of course. Now, there's a few players on the team they saw the way around. You know, Quincy Patterson doesn't need a weight room, right? He needs <laughs> practice, right? Um, Correct. So it's, but for the team as a whole, I'd rather have strength and conditioning than practice right now. So – Overall, you know, I, I like to think that no spring practices, it matters a little bit less for Virginia Tech because they bring everybody back. But at the same time, the fact that they bring everybody back means that everybody's young, and younger players are generally the ones that benefit from spring practice more than anybody else. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, so look at, looking at the quarterback room, um, we've talked about this. I don't think they've ever had three quarterbacks who, who, who have played in college games who have that much experience. Right. Maybe, you know, if we did a complete study, they, they we, haven't. we yeah. would find it. Um, and they're all, they're all good quarterbacks. I wouldn't call any of them elite. We'll see what they turn into. You know, I like Demetrius Davis coming in, you know, Texas football is different, you know. I don't know how much defense they played in there, but he's got some really impressive looking highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, some moves that I'm not sure guys currently on the team can make, but I haven't seen Braxton Burmeister play yet. 
Fuente was quoted last week in a little video they did on Hokie Sports. Saying he's the best. He's probably the best athlete out of all that of them. That is the best athlete. And that's, I mean, think about that. Yeah. You know, Quincy Patterson is a hoss. He can run. <laughs> he's got a strong arm. Um, and Hendon Hooker's, Hendon, Hooker's, Hendon Hooker's a good athlete. Yeah. So that's really saying something. That's saying something. Yeah. So Burmeister, obviously you come in, you start learning the system at first. But then after that, you're not playing this year. You're the scout team quarterback, right? Yeah. So you're not spending as much time in the system. So the spring for him was big as far as learning the system and getting out there and practicing the system. Same with Quincy Patterson, becoming more familiar with it and everything. The Tech fans missed so, a chance to see Burmeister play in the spring in game. In the spring game, yeah. right, absolutely. Um, having no spring practice – benefits Hendon Hooker more than anybody else. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. as a football coach – Because it freezes everything. It freezes everything. You are – not to suggest they were going to beat Hendon out anyway. I think Hendon's a good quarterback. But any chances of that happening are greatly reduced because if you're a football coach, you're going to go with what you know. Yeah. And right now they know Hendon Hooker can win them games. So they're, they're going to come prep for a week or two in the fall, then you start game planning and the season starts. Yeah. There's not much opportunity I mean, to right, take a guy. Right, and, unless they start practice earlier and give them six weeks instead which of four we'll weeks, see. which we've talked about, I think is too much. Yeah. I think it would be overkill. Six weeks in a row of practicing yeah. with yourselves and not hitting anybody else, mm-hmm. football players don't want to do that. Nope. All right, as Malcolm just texted me, that is the uh, the last question uh, from Facebook Live. I will uh, I'll end with this because I actually accidentally put this at the bottom of my uh, notes for today. I meant to put it at the top when we were talking about just uh, we were mentioning softball a little bit. I'll wrap up with this. Pete Demore in two years, sixty eight and fifteen. That's just a shame. Yeah, <laughs> you know that. I really that, think that, they... that uh, softball was gonna was going to do some damage and be legit ACC. You know their RPI, they finished ninth in the country in RPI, yeah. and they didn't play a single home game this year. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, anyways, um, I had those notes at the bottom. I wanted so, to make so sure. So, how, how good – I mean, I know Florida State's good every year. Was Louisville going to be good any, any good this they year? They actually struggled this year. Uh, they were – I mean, they played a hard schedule, but, I mean, I mean, it, it, it was – Tech and Florida State, and yeah. then everybody was here. That's the question I'm asking. Yep, and I, I really, really do think end of the year was supposed to be Florida State and Blacksburg to close the regular oh, season. I, I really do think – I mean, Florida State was down this year. Florida State was not this top five juggernaut they've been in previous years. It was a down year. Even though they were top 20 and still a good team. Mm. So that is one that I will look back and say what could have been because I think that – like the, to wrap up our discussion, mm-hmm. they did the, the uh, Director's Cup and – um, yeah. You know, I think it's also and, and Pete Demore senior two years they have swept UVA. They have not allowed a single run in six games against UVA. Oh, and I don't think if I did this math correct, in both in six games that Pete Demore has been the coach, UVA has had a single base runner to third base since Pete Demore has been the I head coach. I don't understand um, how UVA is so bad in softball. Well, they just had this brand new uh, facilities open though, so I think they're going to eventually get better. You would but think they, they're they're good in everything, and as far as Keely threw a no hitter against UVA, so to make Tech fans even more uh, yeah, happy with yeah. the you know. Can't so one piece of news we forgot to mention is that Makai Lewis is coming back and wrestling next mm-hmm. year. Yep. The, the Olympics are delayed a year, correct? Is that what they're doing? I think twenty twenty one is the tentative. Plan. I actually, I think I just in the middle of the podcast they announced the dates, and I want to say I saw someone tweet briefly. It's the same dates if it was this year, just next year. Just next year. So, um, when do the Olympics normally start, and when do they end? I think it changes, but I, if you when if you'd ask me that question when I was younger, I would know. You look that up, Evan. Yeah. Twenty twenty Olympics. See if it says like on the Wikipedia page the day they were supposed to start and the yeah. day it was supposed to end. So uh, apparently, Makai is going to come back to college and, and wrestle and. 
not do the Olympic thing, I guess. It was supposed to. Uh, it's so it's been announced next year, uh, July twenty third through August eighth. Okay. Um. Hmm. No, the Olympics. I think the decision has to, of course, has to be made earlier because there's just so much logistics Woof. when it comes to the Olympics. Yeah. But uh, it actually creates a whole other set of problems for them to have to wait a year. Yeah. What do you do with that year? You yeah. Know? Well. Yeah, exactly. And, and think about college football, man. I, I don't know how much it costs to print tickets, but what if, like, we obviously know they've, they've pushed the deadline for Virginia Tech back to April 30th, and you can't push it back any further than that because of the ticket situation. Because of things that have to be done. Every, yeah, everybody uses the same company to print tickets, right? Yeah. So you can't – they need a certain amount of time to be able to print those tickets. I don't know how much it costs to have those tickets printed, but what if you have all these tickets printed and then there's no football season? So – that's even more money that you lose, right? Um, well, the, the last thing that happens is the tickets go to the printers. There's all kinds of seat selection and things like that. Yeah. So, it, well, if you're Virginia Tech, do you delay seat selection by a year? That's a... That's a uh, yeah, that's another debate that started on our boards yeah. is, is, is why reseat the stadium in a year when you're not even sure you're going to have a season. Right. Yeah. Right. And... The, but, the, but some people have already made their donations thinking... Reseeding is going to happen this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the whole thing's just a damn, Oh, damn there's, there's no right man. answer. Yeah. I mean, whatever decision gets made at any level, somebody's going to be unhappy. Somebody's yep. going to be happy. Somebody's going to be unhappy. That's just the way it is. That's life in general. Yeah. You can't make everybody happy, right? No. And we're not going to make everybody happy because we can't keep doing the podcast all day long as much as we would absolutely <laughs> love to do that wow, here on, on episode 124 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Uh, that'll just about uh, do it for today's episode, but we covered a lot of ground today, and it was uh, it was good to be back. Yeah. So, any... Uh, <laughs> for... Uh... For a brief, uh, for a brief, yeah. Brief this will be, this is this is a weird time uh, personally for me. Just uh, your extended spring break. Yeah, uh, you know, online classes and now being back in Richmond and home, and it's uh, it's just good to be back in Blacksburg. Got to be strange. I mean, I know somebody your age is used to doing online classes to a certain extent, doing more work online uh, than somebody like us. But it's got to be weird doing everything. Online. It is. It's got to be weird for the professors too, for some of them. Let, let's say. You, some you've got somebody maybe an older professor who's never done anything online their entire life and now all of a sudden yeah you've got to teach a class online how do yeah. you do that how do you just get somebody to do that like it took a, it took a lot of work by a lot of people to get this already for every single class that's why they right. extended yeah. spring break a week yeah. right to, to, well to i'm amazed they got it done in a week i that's am too a, yeah. that, and that a looks, lot of teachers are still going on the fly you know uh, curriculums had to be changed i mean friends in my broadcast no performance doubt. class we can't do a lot of the things we were going to do now so it's it's changing assignments and but I, I was tell, talking to Malcolm before the show. I do feel like there's more work online than in person. I, I firmly believe oh, that. I, um, I, I believe it. So yeah. uh, it's fun juggling that all together. But, um, yeah, it's going to be another great week for us here at TechSideline.com. Be sure to be staying with us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram. A couple of great edits have been put on Instagram right now with Hokey Graphics. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Be sure to be following us all at TechSideline. And, of course, Will and Chris will be on the message boards ready to uh, chime in on some threads this Hanging week. Hanging out. So, all right, any closing thoughts before we sign off? None whatsoever. It is getting kind of late, so yeah. we should probably get to work. All right, that'll do it for episode 124 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart, I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Stay safe, Hokies. Have a great week.